Assalamu alaikum guys, inshallah you are all doing well and keeping safe. Welcome to another episode of Yours Truly. Today, alhamdulillah, I have an exciting guest on and it's somebody that I have been wanting to have on for quite a while now, alhamdulillah. And we've been talking about it. We were supposed to record a few weeks back and then we ended up having to cancel. But alhamdulillah, we're back on track and the special guest is here. So Nadira, would you like to introduce yourself inshallah to our, our viewers? Our listeners, shall I say? Jazakallah khairan, Amina. Um, my name is Nadira Abdurrahman, or as many people might know me as Diary of Niqabi on Instagram. Um, I am a student, but I also teach. Uh, there's really not much. I do write as well. And yeah, that's pretty much me. So firstly, I'm so excited to have you on. I absolutely love your Instagram page. It's just filled with so much benefit and knowledge. And I just think that it's one of those pages that, you know, you can truly go to and find benefit in. And it's one of the reasons why Instagram is or can be very positive and beneficial. Um, So yeah, I'm glad that, you know, we've got to know each other on there and stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are happy with your page too. Um, I just want to it's actually Mm. let me just mention this it's actually funny how before I actually even started making these videos Mm -hmm. I used to follow you I believe I did come across your podcast and I remember every time after Asir my date used to be when I first discovered I just sit by the balcony get myself a cup of tea and just listen to yours truly I used to it's actually not very funny but very interesting very exciting that actually we actually got to know each other on instagram yeah or oh, i'm smiling from ear to ear that makes me so happy <laughs> alhamdulillah i'm so i you know i'm honored to have you on your you're a beautiful sister and you know uh, as we've gotten to talk and know each other i i truly think that you are a blessing to the ummah alhamdulillah um yeah, Amin, Amin, Jazakallah. So I just want to put a little disclaimer out to the listeners. The internet connection seems to be a little bit weak, so it may cut out every now and again. If it does, please just try and keep listening and ignore and try and, you know, stay with us. Um, but yeah, other than that, so uh, I, so today's topic is going to be about the importance of seeking knowledge in Islam. And, you know, sort of Nadira is going to give us some tips on, you know, seeking knowledge from her own experience and, and give us a, a few gems to take back with us after this session. Um, so Nadira, would you like to speak maybe about your journey on seeking knowledge? So, you know, people can maybe take inspiration from it because um, Allah Mubarak, you are a, a young sister and you have such a passion for Islam, which is just so, I want to say contagious. It's, it's something that is very, very beautiful to see and it definitely does inspire others like it has me. So yeah, let us know what your journey was with, with studying Islam and how you found it. Jazakallah khairan for thinking well of me and for your beautiful words. But a disclaimer out there would be that I do not consider myself a student of knowledge. And this mm-hmm. is not me being humble. It's just simply because when you look at the Salaf and the way they used to give every second of their time to studying knowledge, it actually makes you feel little and not deserving of the title student mm-hmm. of knowledge because I do not put in as much effort and as much time as a student of knowledge should. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is I'm not talibat uh, al-ilm. I do study the deen. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me the opportunity to attend many classes. And um, 
I do give like a few hours a day to studying, but it doesn't, not to the extent that makes me a student of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, if it, uh, inshallah, to talk a little about my journey, uh, first and foremost, this was not where I saw myself. If you were to ask me five years ago, like Nadira, where do you see yourself? The description I would give you and where I am right now are very far apart. I didn't see myself studying Dean or anything like that because I was raised in a small city where the Muslims there are less than 1%. So we didn't know much of the deen because there wasn't much deen going on around us. So all I knew is about the deen that you read Quran, you study the Quran, uh, that being because I come from a Somali background and from a young age, everywhere you go, there has to be some sort of madrasa. We call it duksi. The yeah. child at age six, seven, you start going to the madrasa for Quran. So I used to study yeah. Quran from a young age, but all I used to learn about was how to pray, how to make wudu, mm -hmm. and possibly in the future, how to go make hajj. So I grew up believing that the deen was all about that. There wasn't yeah. much to it. So my mom was very big on it where my mom ha holds the people of Elm in such a high regard uh, mm -hmm. the people who used to teach us the quran around who were people who knew the quran a bit here and there and they knew the deen to a good extent but they were not like scholars mm -hmm. uh, so my mom would hold them in high regard she would want to always prepare their meal make sure the masjid every friday the masjid she would go and take out to the masjid to make sure the clean is so my mom was so much oh, into Allah the deen and she had the love that for sounds it. beautiful so she used to push us when it comes to the madrasa. She always used to make sure my brothers are always in the company of the teacher and stuff like that. And my mom used to make dua, sometimes loudly so that me and my brothers could hear. And she would make oh, the dua make the household of my children a place of da'wah, a center of da'wah. And my brothers and I just used to look at each other like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's where we're going because we're like, how you, what you're making dua for? It really is not where we, we it seems like we're going. Mm -hmm. But subhanAllah, a mother's dua. Now where we are, my brothers are imams. And Allah I Allah study Akbar, the deen. And I, uh, I do teach the deen here and there. Mm -hmm. So my mom always tells imams dua. That's what it does. So after secondary Aww. school, going for what I wanted to do, every time I would get accepted into the school. I remember I wanted to be an accountant, but after that I changed to medical school because family members around thought that my grades were good enough, I should go to for medical school. So every time I would go into the school, sometimes even get sponsorship for my fees. But mm -hmm. subhanAllah, like two weeks before the classes or maybe three weeks before the classes, something happens and everything just gets messed up. And one thing my mom always trained us upon is that before you take a step in life, always pray istikhara. Mm -hmm, definitely yes so i she would always make me i'm like i'm applying for a new school she would tell me pray istikhara to some extent now i thought like oh yo stop telling me to pray istikhara because the way things are going every time i pray istikhara everything just goes crumbles the and falls wrong through way. subhanallah crumbles down and who I was like perhaps that's not what Allah wants for you and again she told me just pray istikhara and then again the same thing happened so one day as, she, as we were sitting my mom knew that I'm not looking into that field 
mm-hmm. not into the Islamic studies field, but as a suggestion because Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me with very supportive parents. So they will never Allah force Allah anything. Allah. They will tell you what they want, mm-hmm. but they will never force it upon you. So mm-hmm. they will say it in a, like it suggested. So my yeah. mom suggested, she said, do you think that perhaps Allah wants you to study the deen or something else? And you keep on insisting on this and it's not working. That actually made me think, and as we were talking about it, I remember there was this university that was being opened mm-hmm. and the advert came and I saw the sisters, it was an Islamic studies university. I saw the sisters all in black in the library. I was like, you know what, that, that doesn't look so bad. And it mm-hmm. made my mom happy. So I yeah. said, inshallah, let's look into it. Oh. After that, things just moved so fast. I remember within two weeks, or was it three weeks, I'm actually sitting in a class learning Arabic. I still oh, do not know how it happened. <laughs> Subhanallah, the will of Allah, because the will of Allah. Subhanallah. <laughs> Everything else was falling apart. I remember 2016, January 18th, I was supposed to go to my first day of medical school. Mm-hmm. And February 14th, 2016, I was actually sitting in an Arabic class. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Everything just took a turn. Until then, it didn't digest upon me. It was, I was still going with the mentality. Uh, before that, I only wanted to just study a little bit of Islamic studies in Arabic. Mm-hmm. I wasn't heading, I mean, in English, I wasn't heading for Arabic and everything, but Qadar Allah, I found myself studying Arabic. And things didn't digest until I was in uni, maybe my second year of uni, where I was like, wow, I'm actually <laughs> studying Dini. You know? This is <laughs> about this two is years later. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, in the beginning, it was just like, no, do it. I, I yeah. was always looking for side things like I'm going to finish here and then I'm going to do my medical school or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do something in accounting or something like that. It was always yeah. at the back of my it was two years, like one year of Arabic and uh, in my second year of Islamic Jamia where I just thought like, you know what, that's not actually what I want. Realizing now, I just ended up falling in love with studying the Dean. And mm-hmm. after that, I'm like, I really don't want because I did get offers again to mm-hmm. go to medical school or whatever. But I'm like, that's not what I want to do at the moment. I just love this. What Allah has chosen for me is way better than what I have been thinking of or what I would have imagined. The deen is so deep. It's not just about learning how to properly pray and make wudu mm-hmm. and recite Quran. It's so much deeper and so much more beautiful than this. It makes life so much, so much easier meaningful so much more meaningful definitely and i, I meaningful 100% agree yeah it gives you a reason to live so after that is where i decided i really do not want to do anything else with my life other than study the dean here and every time so pretty much if i summarize how mm. i found myself in this position because like i told you nothing was planned it was my mom's dua and oh, constant istikhara until this day, I can be making a small decision, something that I know that the answer to, but I'll still go back to istikhara because if it yeah. wasn't for seeking Allah's guidance, I, would, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be at this place where I 100% believe is much more better than where I was heading. So no one can choose better for you than what Allah can of choose course, for you. Of course, of course. And I so think always, mm-hmm. I think that that's beautiful. I think that, you know, the fact that you're, Firstly, you owe so much to your mother, subhanAllah. What an amazing, extraordinary woman. If I was with you right now, I would give her a big hug. Like she seems like an amazing woman, subhanAllah. And it's really touched me and inspired me myself as a mother because I have two children. And just hearing your story, 
obviously as muslimin we know our duas are answered and we also know that the the mother's dua is very strong but hearing your story has just ignited this fire in me to to continue to make dua for my children and to be so passionate in doing it because you're a living you're a living story of you know your mother's dua was answered through you subhanallah and that's beautiful subhanallah subhanallah definitely definitely she is and the 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 thing is my mom is not even someone who has knowledge of the deen she just has the love for it and i just touched on it but when it comes to the respect that she used to have the permission that she used to give our teachers she's like whatever it takes if you don't want to send them home for lunch then don't send them home for lunch if they haven't done their durus if you want i remember there was a time where i was slacking on my hips and my mom what she did she said to give more time to your hips you're not going to school So in the morning when everyone else is going to school I used to be sitting in madrasa alone doing the Quran oh, until my, my mom was like until you fit up because she's like you know what my priority is my mm-hmm. priority is the deen and the Quran until you make sure you're doing all your durus in the madrasa just know that you're not going you're not going to have anything on the side because it's not as fun sitting in a madrasa alone where everyone else is in of school course, you want to always definitely. be with your friends and that just pushed me It'll i'm like you know what i need to yeah. i need to do all of my durus in order for me yeah. to go back to my school so the priority for my mom has always been the wow, thing if anything woman. gets in the way you know that you're not doing that anymore and the teachers also knew that because of this the teachers used to know that they can give us more durus because mm-hmm. if we complain to our mother guess what she's locking us in the room and we're doing there's no such thing and be easy on my child oh some mothers might have like be easy on my child they can't wow. do this they have to work and everything my mom doesn't have i i really respect that honestly i don't i mean i don't know if it, i allah mubarak i respect that a lot i do respect that i think it must have been hard for her i know it would be hard for me to do with my children however i definitely respect that because you know what it shows that she truly had a passion and a love for you guys because she mm-hmm. wanted khair for you all to the point where she would do such things and i think that that's beautiful definitely. and i really respect that because i think nowadays especially now people put such an or many parents put such an emphasis or family members mm. or anyone in general they put such an emphasis and an importance on you know um studying at school and secular secular knowledge instead of actually telling their children that you know islam is just as important i feel like um kids are well parents think school's so important and madrasa is just a side thing like you know islam and teaching arabic and deen is a side thing when it should be the complete opposite that should be their main focus and obviously school as well so um it's really beautiful to hear that you know your mother knew her priorities correctly and she was able to uh push you guys to 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 get to where you guys are going yeah. the reason is one thing i've noticed about the parents who push their children to school it comes from a good place because they feel like they're securing their future yeah in definitely terms of finances of course, and everything yeah, but one thing my mom till this day says she says if you seek the akhirah and if you if you seek allah, allah will provide the dunya will come knocking to you on your door exactly definitely allah, so allah, will, that provide was my allah will take care of you definitely and it's exactly. something that we need to put our trust in and have to work in allah knowing that exactly. if we make allah and islam our priority allah will allah will We'll, we'll sort out and provide the rest because Allah won't exactly. leave his slaves who are you know performing ibadah to him and and worshiping him correctly Allah won't leave them 100% so this is how she thought she was securing our future as well Allah my back that's because beautiful I'm very very first, inspired right now subhanallah 
She is an inspiring woman. May Allah bless, bless her and grant her Jannah. Ameen, Ya Rabbi, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. I will definitely make dua for her today because what a beautiful woman. So that, I mean, your story is pan like you've never actually said that to me before. So I'm, I'm really, really happy like you, you've said that because what a beautiful story to tell, Muhammad Barak. Um, especially the fact that you're not just you, but your two brothers also became imams and you all didn't have a clue that that's what you were going to become. I think that's just extraordinary. We didn't believe it. We didn't believe it. We just used to think our mom is making dua for something that's impossible. We just used to look at each other like, oh, she must come to Allah. Um, so, so with that said, Allahumma barik, I mean, your journey is beautiful and I'm sure you still have a long way to go and it's going to be a beautiful journey for you and for your family to see. Um, so what would your advice be to somebody who wants to start Islamic knowledge? We've had this conversation before many times, actually. Um, but yeah, what would your advice be to the listeners for somebody who may think, oh, I don't know where to start or it's so overwhelming or, you know, I, I can't be a student knowledge. I don't have the brain or the, the patience or the the experience to know where, where to start. And, you know, for somebody who doesn't know how to start, what would your advice be? Because I feel like a lot of people would love to know Islam on a deeper level, but it's very, very intimidating. I know for myself personally, I would love to get to, you know, a stage where I can say, you know, I'm, I'm learning Islam and giving it the best I can. But sometimes, like I said, it can be very intimidating because there's so much to learn. It's such a vast religion, subhanAllah. Like you said, it's so deep. There's so many different layers to it and so many different subjects. And, and yeah, so like for somebody who has no clue where to start, where would you tell them to start or how? So, you know, we can give our listeners maybe a bit of an idea or even maybe give someone a push or motivate someone to start just through listening to this, subhanAllah. Mm. Subhanallah. Um, I'd say the first first things first is work on your intention and mm -hmm. your mentality. Definitely. So make it clear that the reason why you're seeking knowledge is not because there's like a boom nowadays of students of knowledge or maybe yeah. there's more opportunities. It has to be solely for the sake of Allah. Mm -hmm. You're seeking whatever that comes. What that does is when you know the greatness of the one that you're seeking this knowledge for, Mm -hmm. the intensity of the struggle that comes with minimizes when yeah. you know the greatness of this path and the one you're seeking for Allah Azzawajal, the one you're doing it for who is Allah Azzawajal, you will be able to stick through longer because like Definitely. you said before it's an intimate intimidating journey it's a mm -hmm. very difficult journey so first and foremost make sure that you're seeking it for Allah Azzawajal, because if you're seeking it for anything else it will be easier for you to fall off of it mm -hmm. and even greater than that is that the consequences is very very great like yeah. the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us in the hadith the sallallahu first sallallahu. three people who are going to be thrown yes, in the hellfire yes. one of them is going to be an alim a person mm -hmm. who Allah gave knowledge but because they did not seek it for the sake of Allah and they sought it because they wanted people to call them a person mm -hmm. of knowledge they are going to be from the first people who are going to be thrown through the hellfire so yeah. purify your intention and then after that you start with learning your basics and at the same time learning about Allah Azzawajal and learning about the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam make yes, sure that you plant the love of Allah and the messenger in your heart so yeah. that you can so that when when you when the, the 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 journey of seeking knowledge is very difficult and when you learn more about Allah Azza wa Jalla and his messenger what happens is 
inevitably you will fall in love with them. And when if something comes from a place of love, it is mm. easier for you to bear the struggles and the difficulties than when it's just for the sake of doing it. That's so very make sure true. you plant the love of Allah Azzawajal and his messenger and this deen in your heart. If we look at the way this deen started, Allah Azzawajal let the Prophet وسلم, live within the people of Quraysh for 40 years in mm-hmm. a very noble manner until they fell in love with him before he gave him this message. Definitely. What I mean, happened? before he was like, even before, sorry to cut you off, even before it's mm-hmm. like Islam, he was called Al-Ameen. That's how much they loved and respected him. He had these beautiful nicknames that he was known by or traits that he was known by. Um, mm-hmm. To the point, I remember, I think when, when you know, he, he says, you know, if I was to say that there was, there was, um, I think it was, was it an army behind me, behind this, yes. this hill? Would you believe me? And they goes, yes, of course. You are Al-Ameen. You are the trustworthy. And you know, it's exactly what you're saying. Sorry, continue. Exactly. <laughs> continue. That so, just came to, to mind. To the extent, before Allah gave him the message, he made sure that the people he lived with loved him. Yeah. What this did is when he exposed this message, even before he made it public and he was privately telling the people around him, they would immediately believe him. Why? Because they knew who he was and they loved him and they respected him. Mm-hmm. So it, it was easier for them to accept the message he was coming with, even though they had that meant that they had to leave the deen of their forefathers. The second thing is the way Allah revealed this deen, as Aisha radiallahu anha told us, is that Allah, the Prophet وسلم, started by telling them things of Jannah and Nar and the Day of Judgment and these things that are directly connected to their heart to soften their heart. And she said, if the, if uh, Allah would start by the ahkam and if Allah would start by telling them do not drink alcohol, they would say wallahi we will not leave the alcohol for anything if yeah. Allah would start by telling them leave zina, wallahi we will not, they would say we will not leave the zina ever but what he started with was uh, softening their heart and engraving the love for this deen in their heart before he came down with the rulings, the ahkam and the halal and the haram. What yeah. this teaches us, it's very, very important before you take on an important role or an important journey, it's very, very important for you to engrave and to plant the love for this journey in your heart so that it will be much, much more bearable for you to stick through it when the difficulties and the struggles happens. As we said before, when something comes from a place of love, it's easy for you to pour yourself. It's easy for you to be patient upon it other than when it just, when you're doing it for the sake of doing it. Definitely. That's such so a beautiful we, uh, example to give as well. The way you've said it is beautiful. So begin with, learning about Allah and the messenger and the deen and then once that love goes into your heart then you go to properly seeking the knowledge and what you start with first and foremost that I feel like there are a few steps that I feel like people skip nowadays and that is due to the haste so because there's so much to learn about this deen and there's so much to do what happens is people feel like they can take shortcuts in order Mm -hmm. for them to reach there but we have to take the advice of the ulama who were on this part before us and what they learned the ulama say that if you whoever attains this knowledge in haste the knowledge leaves him in haste in the same speed what matters is that you are on this path 
and not where you have reached. As long as you're learning something every day, you're doing well. So make sure you give this this path the, the time it deserves and let the knowledge you learn digest. Take it slow by slow. Let it stay, let it digest and let it be firm in your heart before you move on to the next thing. So the other thing is make sure you are going in the mentality with the mentality that I am going to take it step by step. I am mm. going to take it slow because the most important thing is not how far I've reached because many people have reached very far in this uh, in the with knowledge, but they ended up being unsuccessful. Mm. So just make sure at the end of the day, I want to be successful and I want my uh, status to rise in the sight of Allah. So what mm-hmm. matters is I stay on this path and I die on this path yeah so take it slow start with what you need to start with and make sure that you are consistent and you're learning every day so that this end doesn't leave you as fast as you went into it and it doesn't burn you out mm-hmm, definitely i think it's i think that's very very good advice because like you said i know me me being one of those people uh, before is you know rushing and t- wanting to learn so much at, at such a short time um and you know being so overwhelmed and overburdened with it that you end up giving up so now i think especially since our last conversation i've started to tell myself like you said even if i learn one thing a day in a year's time i will have much more knowledge than what i would have had the year before so even if it's a bit of knowledge it's 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 a progress it's it's a gradual um it's a gradual progression to getting to where I want to be. And also with, you know, with learning Islam and Ilm, I feel like it's never going to be an ending journey. I feel like it's going to be a lifetime's journey of constant learning because there's so much to learn, subhanAllah. And I don't think a lifetime is enough. So it, you, you're never not going to be learning something in our, in our beautiful religion, alhamdulillah, because it's such a beautiful religion and there's just so much to learn. So I think mm-hmm. it's a journey of, of constant trying and constant effort. So with that said, we should all take it slow, take our time and not rush because you're never going to be finished with it. There's so much to learn. 100%. And focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So this behavior of starting this and then also starting this and this, what it leads you to is you burning yourself out and leaving mm-hmm. everything off where you haven't reached even very far. So what you do is yeah. focus on one thing and give your all in that, uh, in that mm-hmm. one thing. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us yes, that Allah yes, loves that when a slave does something that he perfects it. Mm-hmm. So yes, Allah definitely. loves it when you focus on one thing and make sure you perfect that before you move on to something else or before you do so many things and you have an idea of this science and you have an idea of this, but you don't have a strong foundation on the sciences of the deen. You don't have a strong foundation on any of them. Yeah. So now the other way that I would advise to go about is do not skip anything. And the things that you feel like you can find an alternative for or a substitute for, trust me, you will not. Like, for example, the Arabic language. Yeah. I was one of those people who believe that because we have access to the translated versions and everything, I can just depend on that and it will give me the same amount of benefit as the Arabic would. And I was very wrong. There is a reason why Allah chose the Arabic language because of the depth. When you are reading a translated version, you are reading the understanding of the person who translated it. But yeah. when you're reading the, in, in its original text, you will have so much more benefits. Course, and you will have so much more access. And the Arabic language, you can never go wrong with it. It's a language that Allah Azzawajal chose. It's the mm-hmm. language of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's the language of Ahlul Jannah. 
So thinking that you will be able to be successful when it comes to seeking knowledge without the Arabic language is a very incorrect mentality. For example, I was um, there was this time where a sister asked for the for a translation for the translation of an ayah in the Quran, and because I found it, we thought like me and my friend thought it was easier if we just found it in the English and then just copy and paste and send that to her. And then when we looked at the English, we found that the translation of it, the tafsir of it kind of indicate implied that it was talking about the difference of why uh, women it was a tafsir of an ayah why women are not for leadership positions and why men yeah. so the translation implied that women do not think and they do not have a the brain and men do which was kind i was like this sister is kind of like new to practicing the deen and everything it will kind of put her off at the same time the sheikh who the mufassir of this book i knew for sure he would not speak like that Mm-hmm. So we decided to go to the original text, which is uh, in the Arabic form. And subhanAllah, yeah. all the sheikh said was the way a woman's brain is linked is not the same way a man's linked. So the way a man's brain works, it makes him qualify for those positions. Whereas mm-hmm. the way a woman's brain is made, it makes her qualify for other positions that the man might not be qualified in. You see the difference now? Yes, definitely. In the translation and in the English. So you will just be getting copies and you will just be getting the understanding of the translator and mm-hmm. not necessarily exactly. Yes, most of the time these translations are correct, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give the same depth. Of and course, there's a definitely. Lot of we are the ummah of eloquence. We are the, the mu'jizah of this ummah is the Quran, the eloquence definitely, in the Quran. Yeah. And when Allah Azza wa decided to send this mu'jizah to us, there were so many other languages, but Allah chose the Arabic language because of the depth. And you will be missing out on a lot, and you will be missing out on a lot of gems when you mm. do not seek the knowledge in its original language even most of these ulama they were not originally arabs but their books are in arabic because yeah. that is the the language that can pass this message of islam the correctly best. yeah definitely i 100 agree with that and i think it's beautiful that you mentioned that because you know as especially as um i guess muslims that live in the west or even muslims who may not be uh who may not have an Arab background, um, mm. like you said, sometimes we overlook the power of learning Islam in its true original form uh, and its true original language. And we just think, like you said, oh, let's just get the easy option, the translated version of this. And as you said, like, I don't think people maybe have, I mean, I never actually looked at it that way. You know, we're actually reading the translator's view or his own translation of the book, which sometimes may not be the same message as what the original book was trying to portray, like you said in your example, subhanAllah. So I think that's a very, very important um, topic. I think, again, I think people uh, may find that, you know, whenever I've spoken to people before who don't know Arabic, um, alhamdulillah, I, I know Arabic, I can read it, I can write it. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it. However, when I have spoken to people who don't know Arabic, and I've asked them, you know, why don't you learn it or, you know, give it a go. They're, they're always, the answer is always Arabic is so complicated. It's such a complicated language. It's just so difficult. And I, I don't know, a part of me disagrees. I mean, it does look intimidating and it does look very different to what obviously English looks like or whatever language that person may speak or, or read or write. But I think, you know, Allah tells us that he's made Islam easy for us. He's even in the Quran, he says, uh, you know, like we've made the Quran easy for you to learn. Is there somebody who will, you know, take heed and, and, and learn it? 
So Allah will help us. It's just about us putting the effort in and the work in. And, you know, Allah will, will grant us those, those things that we wish to attain mm-hmm. um, just by, you know, putting the work in and effort and having the correct intentions. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is the great things are usually not easy. And yes, if you're definitely. put off by something great, because, because it can be subjective, it might be the Arabic language might be easy for some, it might be difficult for some, and we're going to acknowledge it. But after that, it's if you want to reach very far in this life easily, then you're not going to accomplish a lot of things. You're going to be yeah, living of off a lot of things in this world because you find them intimidating. Yeah. This is where, they, that's the difference between successful people and average people because yes. everything requires determination and hard work. Course, everything definitely. that's worth having requires that and if you're not willing to give it all that then you have to be content with leading an average life so if you're a person who's Mm. aiming for extraordinary things a person who wants to live very far in life you have to be you have to be ready to do extraordinary difficult things in order for you to reach that so you need to be ready for sacrifice you need to be ready for difficulties like uh the ulama say and the uh, it was a sha'ir who said uh I don't know exactly who it was, but he says, Whoever yes, seeks so to reach very Allah. high in this life, Sahara Layali. He stays mm-hmm. up, up all night for, for many, many nights. He stayed up for uh, many nights. So if you want to reach far in life and you don't want to leave your comfort zone, then it's very likely not going to happen. But if you are if you have the Himma and you have the ambition to reach very far in life, then uh, whether in this life, both this life and in the Akhirah, you have to be ready to get out of your comfort zone and you have to be ready to make many sacrifices and work really hard. I 100% agree to that. If you find Arabic language to be very difficult, then you have to be ready. You have to make up your mind to give all of all of you to it in order for you to achieve the greatness of that. I mean, this is the Lugah of Ahlul Jannah. This is the Lugah that Allah chose for the people of Jannah. Subhanallah. So wouldn't it even be even much better and much sweeter knowing that you're walking on this earth, speaking the language of the people of Jannah? So Nadira, subhanallah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the examples you give are so amazing. I have never thought of that either. And now that you've said that, it literally made my heart skip a beat. The fact that you said that, you know, I've never thought of it that way that we are literally speaking that those who do know Arabic, subhanAllah, the correct Arabic, are speaking the language of Ahl. Like, wow. Allahumma barik, man. <laughs> You're very good at this. You're very good. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to. It's, it's worth it. Trust me. Just put in the effort and be consistent. And uh, when Allah sees you put it in the hard work, definitely Allah will make it easy. So, what we have to do for us, what's our part? Because every ni'mah comes from Allah Azza wa But we have to show Allah Azza wa that we want it. We want it so bad and we want it enough for Him to give it to us. Yes, of course. We so have just to put in the effort and it. Allah Azza wa will give it to you. Of course. May Allah allow us all to be from Allah those who Amin. learn his deen. I mean, and may Allah grant us the tools, the patience, and uh, grant us success on our journeys, inshallah. I mean, wow, you've given some beautiful tips. Um, I definitely need something that I can go back after this podcast and, you know, think on. I think the tips that you've given is absolutely amazing. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add to the tips? I think... Uh, 
the uh, okay then second the other thing that's very important i would say is that many people again skip just like the arabic language mm-hmm. is memorizing the quran yes because it's uh people after that you're able to read the quran or you're able to read the translation of the quran let me focus on the other sciences and understand the principles and understand uh the mustalahul hadith and all of that and then i'll come back for the memorization of the quran because what matters is that i can open the mushaf and refer the ayah i want but subhanallah when yeah. a person does this what you're actually doing is prioritizing the speech of man over the speech of allah azza and Allah is much more deserving of that priority. So do not skip, even if uh, it means that you, you want to do, if, even if you want to do the other sciences, make sure you're doing them on the side, but your priority after learning the Arabic language is the Quran, because every other science you're going to learn depends on the Quran for evidences. Mm, so give the speech of Allah Azzawajal what time. it deserves and do yeah. not pri- prioritize it and put it above the speech of man because definitely. none of them will hold much value if the Quran is not there they all refer back to Quran and what happens most of the time is this person knows the principles and all of this mm-hmm. but they will not be able to give examples other than the one that is mentioned in the book or other than the one the Sheikh mentioned but mm-hmm. what is required is when you learn the principles you have to be you yourself able to apply to other verses of the Quran or other evidences on your own without always sticking to the same example that the Sheikh mentioned mm-hmm. so when you learn the Quran what it equips you with is something that everything you learn can fall back on yes definitely definitely and the other thing about memorizing the quran is um back at the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, the first generations the way the quran used to be studied used to be through mushafaha so it used to be already the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to take from jibril alayhi salam uh the way he's reading and then give it to the sahabas as even we are told in the quran where allah the prophet sallallahu tells the prophet sallallahu alayhi telling him the way that he should take this quran so what the prophet sallallahu used to do is he used to haste when jibril is reading to him trying to grasp everything jibril is saying alayhi salam so in order for him not to forget anything so allah azza told him to be uh, slow and to listen to what is being recited to him and then after that recite for after him so mm-hmm. what we learned is this Quran was taken already. So the, the Prophet ﷺ would teach the Sahaba that way and they used to teach the Tabi'in that way. So what happens is this person will learn how to recite the Quran exactly how it was revealed with all of its ahkam and all of its correct makhari. So mm-hmm. with time, uh, Islam spread and people uh, of Ajami people started entering the deen mm-hmm. and and different methods of learning the Quran have come through. Mm-hmm. So now the way I've seen in our generation is there's more priority to memorizing the Quran, which means the, she- the person learns how to read the Arabic al-Fatah and then they can read the Arabic. They take the Mus'haf, read on their own and the Sheikh will listen to them just like that. What this does mm-hmm. is the ahkam of the Quran get out of the window. The makhari, yeah. the mishikad. And you have to remember that this Quran is the speech of Allah Azza wa mm-hmm. It has much rules to it. 
and it deserves to be preserved and to be taken care of more than anything else to make sure it remains in the form that Allah spoke it. You have to recite with the maharij and the hakam exactly how Allah spoke it. Mm-hmm. But when this person is just reading because they studied Arabic and the sheikh is just listening to them that way or their teacher is listening to them that way because they learned this way, what happens is the hakam get out of the window. Mm. So what I would say is when you are learning the Quran, make sure you are learning from a person who has been certified by big mukris where they give importance as much importance to the maharit and the ahkam as they do to memorizing the Quran. Definitely and because you know remember, yeah. Sorry, just just to add in there because you know um just just reading something maybe with the incorrect maharij or you know not not recognizing the ahkam or the makharij can change that whole meaning of the word into something else and um sometimes that can lead you into grave sin if it's changed into something you know that shouldn't be Uh, i i've i know of i know of examples of people who have read something uh, incorrectly and it's changed the whole meaning of that verse and and turned that verse into maybe something that that could lead to shirk you know um so exactly. it definitely is so important so so important to, to you know when you want to learn and memorize the quran to do it the correct way because that's the way it should be read and that's the way how allah has ordered us to read it it has its rulings and its ahkam for a reason mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. just an ordinary book that you can read however you want to read and interpret however you want to interpret that's mm-hmm. not what the quran is the quran is a sacred book that like you said allah has preserved for us and it's down to us as muslimin to preserve it and to give it its due right mm. 100%. So make sure that you are having, first, your teacher is a certified muqri. Mm-hmm. And subhanAllah, to, in order to show the Quran being preserved uh, and this person to be reciting the Quran exactly how it's revealed, we even have like ijazas, even though a person can still be able to recite the Quran correctly mm-hmm. uh, without the ijazah. But what this ijazah shows that it has a chain of transmission. It shows who you took it from, who they took yeah. it from. And it shows, it leads all the way to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Jibreel, and all the way to Allah Azza wa Jal. So make sure if they can even, uh, and if they have an ijazah to even uh, prove it even more, uh, it will be even much better. And make sure you are having moments where you are reciting to them orally and they are correcting the maharid. Mm-hmm. So remember, Quran is not just about the memorization. It has much more because, again, I'll repeat this, because it's the speech of Allah Azza wa Jal. Do you have any idea how heavy that is? And yeah. we are not supposed to just interact or do with the speech of Allah whatever we wish. We have to be very careful the way we carry and the way we interact with the book of Allah Azzawajal. So whether you are a Quran teacher or you're a student of teacher, mm-hmm. always, always remember and always ask yourself, am I learning the Quran the way Allah, um, the way Allah revealed it? Am I uh, teaching the Quran exactly how Allah revealed it? Because there will be a day where you will be standing in front of Allah Azzawajal, and we always have to remember that the only things Allah will ask us about will not be the rights of the people or the worship. It will be about his rights as well. Yes, so this is his speech Allah. that you are interacting or you're doing with whatever you wish. So he will ask you what you did with his speech, what you did with his commands, what he did with the rulings he sent down. Mm-hmm. So we always have to try our best to put Allah in the picture and always remember when Allah asks me this and this concerning him, how will I reply? What will I say to him? Definitely. I think so, that's a very, very good reminder. Um, 
yeah you know subhanallah the quran is such a huge responsibility um and it has like you said it has such power in it that we we have to give it its due right and be respectful to the way allah has wanted us and ordered us to read it to 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 you know give da'wah to portray it to others because at the end of the day like you said it is the speech of allah it's not the speech of man it's not the speech of an ordinary person or it's the speech of Allah, Allah, the creator of everything, the creator of the worlds and, and the sky. Like it's, it's, it, I, cannot, I can't even describe how powerful or how important it is because like I said, it's not the work of man. It's not an ordinary book. It's the Quran. It's, it's, the, it's the work of, a cre- of the creator. Allah to give his speech and after that, I feel like it depends on the teacher you're studying under, or mm. like the path that you want to take. Do you want to like learn more ahadith? Do you want to delve deeper into the sciences of the Quran and, yeah. and uh, or fiqh? So, but these are the priorities and the things that I believe that a person should start with when it comes to seeking this knowledge. And by the time you reach here, you will actually have an idea of where mm-hmm. you, how you want to complete it. With the permission of Allah, Allah will give you the, that clarity because you have an idea of mm-hmm. this path and uh, you have an idea of uh, what it entails and everything. So it's more likely that you will know where to go after this. Yeah, so just to, um, oh God, what, I've, I've lost the word, just to, oh, subhanAllah, I've, I've lost the whole, the word in my head, to run through what Nadira has just said. So basically the tips that she's given so far is your intentions, rectify your intentions, renew your intentions purify your intentions, allow them to be only for Allah and Allah will grant you success and it will help you along your journey. Um, especially when you are finding it hard or struggling, those pure intentions um, and, you know, building that love for Allah and the love for Rasulullah uh, will definitely push you through. Then it's, then she mentioned about trying to learn Arabic because, uh, you know, that is the form, that is the language that uh, the Quran was sent down in. And as Nadira beautifully put, it's the, it's the speech and the language of Ahlul Jannah. So it's a beautiful way to motivate yourself to learn Arabic, knowing that you're speaking a language that the, the, the people in Jannah speak. Um, and then she's also put an emphasis on, you know, learning the Quran. And once you learn Arabic, don't dismiss the Quran, but rather pay as much attention as you can to it and give it its due rights and prioritize it and make sure you're doing it correctly with the correct makharij, correct ahkam, reading it, learning it, understanding it in the best manner possible and in a correct manner. But yeah, that's, that's what you said so far, Allah Mubarak. Perfect. May Allah grant us the ability and the tawfiq because and at the end of the day it goes back to tawfiq from Allah Azzawajal to go on this path. One thing is that that made me more motivated mm-hmm. to keep on this path was a statement that I want I would like to share with everyone. Yes, here, please do every time I go back to this statement it actually motivates me more. Mm-hmm. It's the it was said by Ustad Abdurrahman Hassan. May Allah bless him. Ameen, so ameen, he, ameen. He said that Allah Azza wa Jal, when he wants to send his message to mankind, he chooses a specific person, mm-hmm. i.e. the messengers, to give his message to, this valuable message to. 
now that Muhammad uh, Rasulullah sallallahu was the end the last of the messengers Hmm. So what Allah Azza wa Jal does is because this message needs to be continued and it needs hmm. to live on. Allah Azza wa Jal chooses from the people who it is that will continue this message. Mm-hmm. As Allah Azza wa says in the Quran, Allah knows best where he places his message. So when you are seeking and spreading this message, just know that it was because Allah chose you to continue and to spread his message, just like he chose the messengers and the prophets to spread his message. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So when you are on that path, seeking knowledge, just know that it was first and foremost from the tawfiq of Allah Azzawajal. And the fact that Allah gave that desire and actually planted that desire in your heart to learn it just shows that Allah, you are a person that Allah wants to trust his valuable message with it, just as he did with the messengers. Wow. Subhanallah. I find May Allah make us very, from amongst those people. Amen, Ya Rab. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. And uh, Ustad Abdurrahman Hassan has uh, some amazing YouTube videos. I mean, his, his, he has one series actually that I would advise everybody to go listen to, and it's about Ulul Himma. Uh, mm. And I definitely think you guys should give it a check. Let me just see what the title is um, on my phone quickly because I definitely think I watched it, and I definitely think it's something that, you know, if somebody does want that push, um, to definitely give it a check, a check out because you know it's 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 a beautiful way to start your journey or to have the motivation to start your journey. Um, let me see if I can find it. Mm-hmm. It has so many playlists. I need to go through them. Have you watched the video, the the series that I'm talking about yourself? Uh, it's called High Aspirations. There you go. He's just named it the translation for it. So, uh, so it's called High Aspirations. And it has, uh, I think, 30, 35 or 25 videos. And it basically, you know, speaks about the people of the past. And, and it gives you examples of how they had high aspirations and how they worked towards those aspirations and fulfilled those goals and achieved those goals. Um, and it's just a beautiful way to know. To, to, to start your journey and remind yourself that as, as Nadira said, we were, we, were, we were basically put on this earth to worship Allah. That is the sole reason we were put on this earth. We were not put on this earth to have fun, to get married, to fall in love, to have kids. That's part of, of you know, living on earth. That's part of being a human. However, that's not the reason why we were, why we were put here. We were put here for a reason and that reason is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Allah trusted us enough to to, to to, to put us here you know when he when he goes to the angels and he shows them Adam and they say Ya Allah but we worship you day and night we do all these 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 acts of ibadah and we've never refused you or you know done something against your will and Allah says and I, I, I'm Allah I know all things uh, that you don't and he, he shows them how he teaches Adam everything and it's a test. The whole reason we're here is it's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should try and use that as a reminder whenever we may become lazy uh, when it comes to learning Islam or learning the Quran or getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that's the reason why you're here. You're not here to have fun. You're here to worship your Lord as he has commanded you to worship him. And at the end of the day, the only person that will get reward from that is you because ultimately 
you will live a good life in this dunya because Allah will provide for you because you are his, his, his slave who, who gives Allah his due, right? And he will also provide for you in the akhirah, subhanAllah. He will give you a beautiful life in the akhirah if you were to do and submit to Allah, if you were to worship him as he willed and submit it to him. So what better way to live your life than to get the best of both worlds? Do your best in the dunya to please Allah as well as, you know, have a happy life and win in the akhirah. Allahumma barik. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Allahumma barik. <laughs> but you, you've given some beautiful examples and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people will be inspired. Allahumma barik. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, sometimes it's not always down to motivation as well. I definitely think that discipline has a lot to do with anything, let alone, you know, learning something. Discipline comes into so many different things. And I think... As, as Muslims, to be honest, we have that discipline within us because we fast Ramadan. Like we go a whole month without eating or drinking from, you know, sunrise to sunset. That in itself is discipline. When we speak to non-Muslims and we tell them that, they're like, what? How do you do that? How do you survive? They can't believe it because it sounds like something that's so hard to do. But we do it. We do it because Allah has told us we need to do it. So if we can do that, we can definitely discipline ourselves and put the effort in to learn Allah's beautiful religion. Because at the end of the day, all it is, is as Nadira said, knowing why you're doing those things, putting in the effort and continuing to push yourself to get through to it and to get to the goal that you want to get to, subhanAllah. 100%. And motivation is not something you can seek knowledge with. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Motivation is short-lived. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why Allah Azza wa Jal gave us a brain and he gave us intellect mm-hmm. so that we we know what to do and when to do it rather than just going with your emotions. So when you're going with motivation, you're depending on your feelings and your emotions. Mm-hmm. Whereas Allah gave you an intellect. Most of the time when we are sitting on our chairs or being on our phone, we might be there feeling lazy, but deep down, our brain is telling us, you're not supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be more productive and everything. Mm-hmm. So this pretty much is where your brain and your logic overpowers your feelings, whereas motivation is where your feelings overpower your brain. Definitely. And, and you know, when you, when you are doing that, you know, when you are sitting on your phone, scrolling through your phone or just sitting on the sofa, you know yourself that you don't feel entirely happy or pleased with yourself. You know, you feel mm-hmm. guilty or you feel bad. I mean, when I have a productive day and I've done things I need to do, I feel great. But if I've had a day where I'm unproductive and I've just sort of lazed about, I feel horrible about it. And that's because that's not what we should be doing. And Ibn Taymiyyah actually made a very strong statement where he said, Allah Azza wa Jal created the angels with uh, logic, but no no desires. And he he created the animals with desires and no logic. And he created humans with both logic and desires. So when your logic overpowers your desires, you are even better than the angels. But when your desires and your feelings overpower your logic, then you are worse than animals. So this fight between motivation and and uh, discipline can actually look at from that perspective where you think that the day that I just go with my emotions and how I mm. feel where when my logic is telling me I should be doing otherwise, just know that you have flipped and you have let your emotions and your desires overpower which is not a position a believer should be in the the right way to be is your logic always being in charge and your feelings Mm. just supporting that when it's right 
Yes, definitely. So when you yes. live on motivation, it's short-lived because you have pretty much, you are more closer with how the animals have been created, where they just mm. do whatever they feel like, when they feel like. Where as mm. a human, Allah has given you that logic. So you are supposed to be disciplining yourself. You are supposed to be and more and depending more on your logic and what you know Definitely. is right and what you know you should be doing each and every one of us here knows that we are going to be asked about every second and how we spent it when we meet allah of course so, and we need to when, remind ourselves that you know shaitan will take mm-hmm. any and every opportunity he can get to get us to fall off islam and to get us to you know commit sins and do wrong by allah and if you live just like you said by just motivation that motivation will quickly go away and shaitan will slip in and tell you you know don't study today leave it another day oh you don't really need to study there's better people that can do this but today you You deserve to yeah you deserve a rest you deserve to not do it and at the end of the day you know if if that's what you want to do do it but know that you're only ruining your hereafter and your your life now because we're here, like I said, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it, you need to depend on, as Nadira said, your logic and your discipline and know that, no, I am doing this for my future self so I can be happy in the hereafter. At the end of the day, as me and my husband have had this conversation many times, an example we like to say to each other is, would you rather be happy in this world for a few moments uh, you know, fulfilling your shahwat and your desires, or you know, not not listening to the command of Allah, or obeying Him or washing Him properly for those few minutes. Even though when you do those things, every single person that's listening knows, and you know, we all sin in different ways. We all, nobody's perfect. Allah says to us, you know, we're not perfect. And if there was a human being who who was perfect and didn't sin, He would get rid of that person and get someone else who would sin because Allah loves istighfar. Allah loves someone who asks for His forgiveness. However. Every one of us has sinned, is what I'm trying to say. And we know full well that after that, that, once that sin is over, the guilt comes in, the remorse comes in, the bad feelings come in. And even during sometimes committing those sins, sometimes it doesn't feel entirely good because it's a sin. It's not what you were made or created to do. Um, so that's one way me and my husband like to look at it is would you prefer to live this life and have you know a few moments of pleasure every here and again because you decide to disobey Allah or would you prefer to live this life in the way you were supposed to and be at peace with your soul and your mind knowing you're doing what you were created to do and then have a beautiful everlasting life in the hereafter forever like can can you guys just for a second close your eyes and just literally imagine an eternity I mean a whole eternity, forever and ever and ever. There's no ending in Jannah. There's no dying. There's no nothing. Like it's just constant enjoyment and bliss. Would you not want to work for that? Would you not want to work for that? And you know, when we look at it into like, when we put things into perspective, it's not a lot of hard work. It may seem difficult in that in that moment. But as Nadira said, eventually it becomes a passion. It becomes something you inevitably fall in love with and you enjoy doing and you crave to seek knowledge. You crave to stay up those nights and be closer to Allah. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. May Allah grant us the ability to ya do Rabbi that. Ameen, thumma ameen, ya Rabbi. Ameen. And the tawfiq. Allahumma ameen. Ya Rabbi. Ameen. Allahumma zidna ilman nafi'an, ya Rabbi. Allahumma ameen. It has been honestly absolute pleasure having you on. I don't want this episode to end. I know that a lot of people have benefited from it, definitely. <laughs> Um, so would you, I, I know, I don't know if maybe you have something to do or, but would you like to maybe summarize or sum this, this whole episode up with what your, what would your last piece of advice be to, to the listeners out there that, you know, may want to, to, to start, uh, learning about Islam 
or may have stopped, what would your advice be to push them to, you know, get out there and, you know, start doing what they were created to do? Mm. Uh, first thing I would say is people are in different situations. And I know as women, uh, we have responsibilities sometimes mm-hmm. that do not allow us to do certain things that we want to do. Definitely. And whether you're, when you're a wife, you're a mother, you barely have time for yourself, let alone time to do something else. Definitely, but yes. the, the, what I'm going to remind you of is Allah's statement and how Allah finished off with many ayahs in the Quran where Allah says, Inna Allah, la Allah does not forsake the ajr and the good uh, of those who do good. Mm. So that extra, obviously, as a mother, you're going to have to sacrifice on some sleep. You're going to have to, mm. to study in order for you to study. You're going to have to uh, uh, do more than the average person who might have like more time but mm. you always have to remember there's even a principle that the ulama have that they derived from the hadith of the prophet and this principle is um that your reward mm. is based on the effort and the struggle you put in there so the more you struggle just know that you might have a more tight routine and you might have to make more sacrifices and to struggle more than maybe uh, some men or maybe mm. like other other sisters but you have to know that you are also getting more rewards than they are you are getting the reward for doing what they're doing but you're also getting the extra reward for the efforts and for the sacrifices you're making because guess what your lord is allah Azzawajal, and allah is the most just and allah is the one who said in allah allah does not forsake the good of the good doers and this applies in everywhere whether you are a person who even struggles with the hijab let's say you do not have it as easy as the other sister who's wearing mm. the niqab and hijab and there are some sisters who genuinely say that they see the hijab as outside clothes and they do not struggle with as much and the other mm. sisters who are into like dressing up and everything just know that by making that sacrifice of covering yourself more that allah is giving you your ajar extra ajar than the other sisters for your efforts Definitely, you are 100%. waking up in the middle of the night before everyone else in the house so that you can pu- you can push in an hour of a lesson before everyone else allah is rewarding you for that effort you are sacrificing say, yes. this you're sacrificing that in order for you to please allah Azzawajal. the people around you might not acknowledge it the people around you might not see it but allah Azzawajal sees every bit of it and allah mm-hmm. and it is all recorded with allah Azzawajal. and on the day of judgment you're going to see the fruits of all the sacrifices and all the efforts that you made so do not let uh having other responsibilities or uh, having like some things that you have to sacrifice in order for you to push in that extra uh, what is it called that extra effort to put in that extra effort extra for time out. definitely yeah because your reward is with Allah Azzawajal. so I wanted to just remind this bit to sisters because mm. I know we have responsibilities definitely. I know there's so much to do I know it's very difficult for them to find that extra time to attend mm. a halaqa or, or to do this and alhamdulillah nowadays we have online classes we have there's so uh, many ways to uh, other means Islam, like, so it's made so easy for us <laughs> It's honestly made so, so easy for us. I mean, when we go back to the time of the, the Sahaba, they would travel days, weeks, months, sometimes even years to acquire, yeah, to acquire the, the, such a, a small amount of knowledge, subhanAllah. I, I, remember, re, I remember listening and hearing um, a, a story. I'm going to paraphrase it, but I remember a story of, of, of somebody who was, I can't remember who it was exactly, um, but uh, this man, or, or I can't remember if it was a man or a boy, but I remember it was somebody who, I think it was a young boy actually, um, mm. 
who wanted to acquire knowledge and he traveled to this person's house who was teaching Islam at the time of Muhammad and he stayed outside of his house uh, for the whole like day and bearing in mind it's very very hot he he sat under a tree and waited because as he was following this person home I can't remember it uh, very well so I'm, I'm i'm not giving much detail because i don't want to say something wrong but he followed this person i think it I'm, I'm not sure i think it was amar i can't remember he followed the person home he saw that person enter his home and he was too shy to tell to knock on the door so he he thought you know what i'll just wait till you know he comes out and he stayed there for a very very long time so waiting funny just to acquire knowledge under the heat and th at this time was when the time th at this specific time was when the sahaba would all you know the people of that time would would have a nap because it was so hot it, the, the heat was so much that they'd all have a nap at that time so while everybody's relaxing and napping he was just waiting for that person to leave the home so he could acquire some knowledge from them subhanallah um, and for us, like you said, we have it at the tip of our fingers, at the click of, of, of you know, a mouse. We can find something. We can learn about something. It's made so accessible for us now. So, you know, reap, reap as much as you can from these, these, these fruits that we have that Allah has allowed us to have access to. And we will be questioned about it as well. It was made so easy for us. Yeah, what did you do? Did you take it upon yourself to learn? Or did you still say it was too hard? It's too difficult. Another thing I wanted to also add is, uh, is my own experience as a mother myself and as a wife myself I can definitely relate to you know you saying that it's very hard uh, just being those two two things having those two roles and responsibilities let alone you know trying to do more because like you said you don't have even time for yourself however what I have noticed in my own personal experience is when I have taken time out to learn Islam and when I was doing my tajweed lessons when I would meet up with my my teacher I just remember Every week, my week would be filled with so much barakah, subhanAllah. I can't even explain the feeling. But if I missed my tajweed lesson, my week would be a, a catastrophe. Like it would just feel like everything is crumbling. I don't have the time for things. I'd be more agitated. But the weeks that I made sure to go to my class and, and, and learn and pay, you know, pay, put some, um, some time aside for Allah and his book, my week would just be filled with khair and barakah and everything would just fall into place. Even though I, before I would have said I don't have time for it, but when I made the time for it, subhanAllah, everything just, I can't explain the barakah in the time that I would end up having and how more uh, efficiently I would get other tasks done and finish things that I previously would have not been able to done because quote unquote, I didn't have the time, but yet here I am adding more things into the schedule for Allah and I'm, I'm doing the things that I've been putting on hold because I said I didn't have time. So yeah, that's definitely definitely a, a, something to think about. Is never say you don't have time for Allah or His book. Allah, there's you know 24 hours in the day. We can definitely make time, like you said, even if it's getting up at night in the middle of the night and having an hour lesson. You know, we know we know of you know celebrities or you know people that are well known that get up at like three four a.m. to work out. If they can do that for nothing like it's just for an outside like just to perfect the outer appearance then surely we can do this to you know aid our souls and do what we were created to do definitely well it has been an absolute pleasure having you on i definitely definitely think we will be having you back on again so i'm sure the listeners would love to hear and more from you inshallah so with that said anybody who would like to hear more from nadira 
or you know get to know her more you can just go follow her page her page is uh, diary of an iqabi um i will have it in the description box and all the information there so if you may not know how to spell that or whatever it will be in the description box below the episode um and yeah do send in your emails to yours truly by hidden ucht uh, letting us know what you thought of the the episode give nadira a message if she's obviously okay with that drop her a message let us know how you felt about the podcast your feedback and also give us suggestions of other topics you may like to hear us speak about or you may like to hear Nadira come back and talk about inshallah because that would be amazing she she has a beautiful way of of you know putting examples um so yeah I'd love to have you back on again inshallah it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor Jazakallah khairan for having me it's been an absolute honor to talk to you and to actually be a guest on your podcast I used to listen to even way before <laughs> may Allah oh, bless you and may Allah reward you for this this is much needed and we needed a place where sisters can come together and share experiences and benefits mm. and things that they have learned in life Thank because you. you learn from your own experience the intelligent mm. person the smart person learns from their own experience but the wise person learns from their experience and other people's experience so this platform allows us to have that to hear about other sisters um, experiences so jazakallah khairan for creating this oh what a thank you so much for your kind words weigh it heavy on your scale of good deeds. Oh, that's such a beautiful dua. Honestly, I really hope that this platform is, you know, I, I wanted to create it as a safe space for sisters. And also, I mean, I don't really think brothers would listen, but if they are, more than welcome. I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I wanted to create a safe space for Muslims, basically, to, to be able to speak about topics, but more specifically for Muslim women, because we have so many men you know, Muslim mm. men in the field, you know, giving da'wah or, you know, making podcasts. And sometimes it's it's nice to hear a woman. Sometimes it's nice for a woman to hear a woman and relate to a woman. So I really hope, you know, that this this platform does exactly that for the listeners and allows them to, you know, enjoy the, the content we create and, and, and allows them to have somewhere where they feel like they, they are heard, they understood, and they can relate to the people that we bring on, inshallah. Um, but yeah, please, I'm going to ask one thing of you. Please do give your mum a big, big hug from me and tell her that she has inspired not only me, but many, many listeners. I'm sure every single listener right now, well, not right now, but when I upload the, the episode, will take from her her story and your story and will definitely keep that in mind for when they become mothers themselves or it will allow them to appreciate their own mothers. So definitely give her a big hug and you know tell her she's will. in my dua. And thank you so much for coming, inshallah. I'll definitely look forward to having you on again. Jazakallah khairan for inviting me. It was such a pleasure. Wa <laughs> iyaki. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And so, guys, with that said, um, with that said, what a beautiful episode subhanallah what an absolutely beautiful episode that was i i um oh, i'm just speechless you know nadira has such a beautiful way of of putting things and i was so excited to have her on and i know all of you are going to enjoy listening to this this topic and i really hope you guys benefit from it so please do like i said leave your feedback you can drop an email to uh, yours truly at hiddenocht, uh, sorry, yours truly at gmail.com, yours truly hiddenocht at gmail.com. And yeah, let us know what your thoughts, leave a review on the podcast app. It really does mean a lot. And it also helps, you know, uh, get my podcast out there more 
to other people, which is what we want. We want this to, to, to be a successful platform for people to come and listen to um, and find comfort in, inshallah. So with that said, again, I'm going to say Islam alaikum again. I hope you guys are doing well and staying safe. And I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Assalamu alaikum.